A long, long time ago, a baby named Jesus was born in a grungy stable. And far in the east lived five wise people who were traveling in their SUV. These five magis were also known as the Fab Five. One night they noticed a very strange star in the sky. They knew that this star meant that the Son of God had been born. This group of queer eyes traveled a long way to the baby, with a ton of B-roll shots of them gaily laughing and dancing in their car. When they arrived, they all had special presents for the newborn baby Jesus. First up, Jonathan. Look at you fierce little baby angel Jesus from heaven, spreading your little baby angel Jesus wings and like saving us from eternal damnation. Like honey damnation, more like you're gonna rule the damnation. Yes, let that hair down. Let it flow like the rivers your daddy created, you know? And let's really talk about miracles. Honey, let me tell you about this conditioner. Just spritz is leaving conditioner all over so when you heal the blind they'll have gorgeous flawless hair to look at yes tan all right first lose those dreadful swaddling clothes we're gonna go sandals printed shirts and of course a french tuck karamo you know a lot is gonna be asked of you but i want you to remember you get to ask something of us too what does Jesus want? What do you want? Antony. And then, just like that, baby Jesus, you're gonna take those avocados. Actually, how about we just skip to Bobby? Yeah, you know, while all of you were talking, I just decided to bust my ass to turn this rundown stable into a luxury three-bedroom condo. Now get over here, baby Jesus, give me a hug, cry, and tell me how much you love it. After they hugged and cried a few more times, they filmed more footage with them dancing with the baby Jesus in front of a white backdrop, said their goodbyes, and left him looking fierce and ready to save the world. Save that world, you little baby angel Jesus! Yes! Welcome to episode 28 of Have a Blessed Gay, your spiritual comedy podcast with a thick ass. I am your holy host, Tyler Martin. Another great week. We are still in Stitcher's top podcast picks. Two glowing articles and an interview released about the podcast. There were pictures of Orlando Bloom still looking damn fine in a mask and exercise gear. The awesome news about Elliot Page. And last but not least, it was World AIDS Day on December 1st. You know, it's pretty frustrating when some of the older generations say they haven't ever experienced anything like this current pandemic, the idea of a pandemic seeming foreign to them. But y'all, what about the AIDS pandemic? Because it primarily affected the LGBTQ community, people of color, and poor individuals the most, it did not get anywhere near the attention it needed. 
I mean, hell, COVID doesn't get the attention it needs from wealthy and political folks until it directly affects them, something we've seen countless times as of this point. And as you know, I believe history is so important because we can learn from it. World AIDS Day is an opportunity for people worldwide to unite in the fight against HIV, to show support for people living with HIV, and to commemorate those who have died from an AIDS-related illness. Founded in 1988, World AIDS Day was the first ever global health day. Globally, there are an estimated 38 million people who have the virus today. Despite the virus only being identified in 1984, more than 35 million people have died of HIV or AIDS, making it one of the most destructive pandemics in history. Today, scientific advances have been made in HIV treatment. There are laws to protect people living with HIV, and we understand so much more about the condition now. But despite this, each year, more and more people are affected by AIDS because people do not know the facts about how to protect themselves and others. And stigma and discrimination remain an intense reality for many people living with the condition. So World AIDS Day is important because it reminds the public and government that HIV has not gone away. There is still a vital need to raise money, increase awareness, fight prejudice, and improve education. If you want to support that education, definitely check out worldaidsday.org. I'll link it up in the show notes. Also, before we get down and dirty, I got a fun announcement for you. I will be doing my very first live podcast episode this January. Hop in my cherry live with an audience watching should be titillating. <laughs> I'm in the podcast stage lineup for the Q Christian Fellowship Conference, which runs January 7th through the 10th of 2021. It'll be virtual this year, so no matter where you are, you can partake in all the super gay Christian stuff you so wish. The Q Christian Fellowship Conference is an annual gathering where hundreds of LGBTQ plus Christians and allies gather for worship, fellowship, workshops, and keynote speakers. The goal is to make lifelong BFFs or reunite with old friends, experience healing, transformation, affirmation, and hope. And for all you little spiritual sluts, I have a link in the show notes for 10% off the conference. I will be doing my live episode on January 6th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is a Wednesday, so make sure you wear pink. And whether you are Christian or not, I invite you to come chill online. I will be chatting with a podcast alum, a crowd favorite, Brandon Robertson. I'm really excited to have him back on, and we are going to be discussing, drumroll, Christian privilege. <laughs> I know, I'm like, okay, gonna talk at a Christian conference? Great. Let me talk about how shitty Christians are. <laughs> L-M-A-O. Just kidding, though. The goal is definitely not to completely bash Christians, but to discuss how to be conscious Christians and conscious people of any faith, for that matter. There will also be a short Q&A after, so if you want to ask me some juicy questions live, this is your chance. Or you can always just email and or message me. Email is in the show notes, and you can find me on social media 
at Have a Blessed Gay on all the platforms. There's been a question that I've been pondering lately. It's one that never really occurred to me as a child, but as an adult, I'm like, why the hell are there so many holidays from different cultures, traditions, and religions during the same time of the year? Like, why didn't we spread that around? What is so special about December? Welcome to the stage, the incomparable, the legendary, the timeless winter solstice! Yes! You better work, bitch! Winter solstice came to slay and turn the party. And it has been serving it since the beginning of humanity. We're going to take a look at winter solstice, Zoroastrianism, the first and oldest monotheistic religion, and we're going to look at history to find out who really stole Christmas. So come on, ya ho ho hoes, and let's get to the whole, whole, whole story. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, the leading provider of online counseling. Y'all, the world is crazy and mental health is important. Some might even call it spiritual. I personally use BetterHelp myself and absolutely love what they're doing. BetterHelp makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So if you're struggling emotionally, battling anxiety, or you can't stop crying after an episode of Queer Eye, BetterHelp can be there for you anytime, anywhere. Go to my personal link at BetterHelp help.com slash blessed gay to check it out and get what 10% off the best part is you don't even have to leave your house they offer four ways to speak with a licensed counselor video calls phone calls real-time chat and direct messaging all counselors have been qualified and certified by their state's professional board in other words, you're not talking to a lobster dressed in human clothes. They're legit. All you gotta do is go to my link at betterhelp.com slash gay and begin the questionnaire to match you with a therapist who is uniquely qualified to serve your needs. How sexy. It's super duper easy and you're matched within 24 hours or less. BetterHelp has a monthly subscription rather than paying per session, which makes it cheaper. But if finances are still a concern, financial aid is available for those who qualify. Get counseling, improve your life, and help this podcast out in the process by going to betterhelp.com slash gay. Sign up today and get 10% off. That's betterhelp.com slash gay. For me, the middle of winter has long been a time of seasonal depression, but for others, it's a time of celebration. (laughs) Centuries before my number one crush, Jesus, appeared on the scene, people really got into celebrating the winter solstice. Fuck the balls, fuck the weddings, and fuck Uncle Earl's birthday, cause the winter solstice is the event of the season. Anyone who was anyone got lit. The winter solstice is the shortest day and longest night of the year. After the winter solstice, days start becoming longer and nights shorter as spring approaches. In the northern hemisphere, it takes place between December 20th and 23rd, depending on the year. Cultures around the world have long held festivals and celebrated holidays around the winter solstice. 
Humans may have observed it as early as a Neolithic period, the last part of the Stone Age, beginning about 10,200 BC. We're talking the Flintstones in Vivo Rock Vegas, okay? Neolithic monuments such as Newgrange in Ireland and Macehow in Scotland are aligned with sunrise on the winter solstice. Some archaeologists have theorized that these tomb-like structures served a religious purpose in which Stone Age people held rituals to capture the sun on the Earth's shortest day. Even Stonehenge, which is oriented toward the winter solstice sunset as well, may have also been a place of December rituals for Stone Age people. And it makes sense. The end of December was a perfect time for celebration in most areas of Europe. At that time of the year, most cattle were already slaughtered, so they didn't have to worry about feeding them. For many, it was the only time of the year when they had a supply of fresh meat. And most importantly, the majority of wine and beer made during the year was finally fermented and ready for drinking. Shots, 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 shots. So just logistically speaking, it made sense to party it up in December. And because the celebrations had to do with nature, it was super easy to relate these celebrations to early myths and gods, making winter solstice a sacred time for many people. But let's take a gander at some specific areas, shall we? In Germany, people honored the pagan god Odin during the midwinter holiday, but... It wasn't very positive. Germans were terrified of Odin, as they believed he made nocturnal flights through the sky to observe his people and then decide who would prosper or perish. Basically, a super intense and honestly more realistic version of Santa Claus. In Rome, where winters were not nearly as harsh as those in the far north, they had Saturnalia, which sounds like a sexual organ, doesn't it? But... No, it's not. It was a holiday in honor of Saturn, the god of agriculture. Beginning in the week leading up to the winter solstice and continuing for a full month, they would party hard. Really though, Saturnalia sounds pretty dope. It was a time when food and drink were in abundance and the normal Roman social order was totally turned upside down. For that month, slaves would become masters, peasants were in command of the city, gladiators would perform their annual all-male production of little women. Like crazy. Even businesses and schools would close down so that everyone could join in the fun. It makes me think of the Purge movies, but instead of gruesome murders, it was just fun. <laughs> it sounds like a blast partying for a whole month. And listen, I can almost guarantee you a queer person came up with that idea. I mean, honestly, I'm like, that's what America needs right now. An epic countrywide block party. Then moving to another area, we have the ancient Norsemen of Scandinavia who celebrated Yule from the winter solstice through January. In recognition of the return of the sun, Fathers and their sons would bring home large logs, which became known as Yule Logs. Oh my gosh, you're so great. You're so smart. They would set one end of these logs on fire. The people would feast until the log burned out, which could take as many as 12 days. And you know all those little plaques with flannel backgrounds at Target that say Yuletide Cheer? Yeah, this is where it comes from. 
So how did we get from these religious and secular winter celebrations all the way to celebrating Jesus's birthday? Christmas, whether people are Christian or not, is a holiday that people celebrate all over the world. But that hasn't always been the case. Even in the early years of Christianity, Easter was the main holiday. The birth of Jesus was not celebrated at all. So how the hell did that happen? Well, first we gotta learn about Zoroastrianism. Zoroastrianism is the very first known and longest-running monotheistic faith established by the Iranian prophet Zoroaster, also known as Zarathustra and Zartost, between 1500 and 1000 BC. Now, if you don't know, monotheism is the belief in one singular god. The supreme deity of Zoroastrianism is Ahara Mazda, meaning Lord of Wisdom. And actually, yeah, that is where the car company Mazda got their name. Ahura Mazda is the creator and sustainer of all things and encourages adherents to express their faith through the principle of good thoughts, good words, and good deeds. Prior to Zoroaster, the ancient Persians worshipped the deities of the old Irano-Aryan religion, a counterpart to the Indo-Aryan religion that would come to be known as Hinduism. Zoroaster, however, condemned that practice and preached that God alone, Ara Mazda, should be worshipped. In doing so, he not only contributed to the great divide between the Iranian and Indian Aryans, but is thought to have introduced mankind to this new wave of monotheistic religions. But this is where it gets pretty cool. The idea of a single god was not the only Zoroastrian tenet to find its way into other major faiths, most notably the Big Three, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. The concepts of heaven and hell, judgment day and the final revelation of the world, and angels and demons all of those things originated in the teachings of Zoroaster. Even the idea of Satan is a fundamentally Zoroastrian one. The entire faith of Zoroastrianism is based on the struggle between God and the forces of goodness and light, represented by the Holy Spirit named Spintamenu, and Araman, who presides over the forces of darkness and evil. And while humankind gets to choose which side they belong to, the religion teaches that ultimately, God will prevail. Yeah. Sound familiar? Not a ton is known about the prophet Zoroaster and his early life, but it's believed he was born to noble Persian parents. His father was most likely of the priestly class, since his son would become a priest and sons typically followed their father's profession, and the high status of the family is further suggested by the fact that Zoroaster began his education at an early age rather than having to work. He was a priest by the age of 15, most likely an assistant to an older clergyman, but still, and is said to have left his parents' home at the age of 20 to pursue his career. Now, fast forward a little bit in time, and at the age of 30, he experienced a life-changing vision. On the riverbank before him, a bright image appeared of a celestial being who identified themselves as Cher. Do you believe? Ah, uh, no, it, it's it, it wasn't Cher. It wasn't Cher, but I really wish it was. Their name instead was Vohu Mena, which means good purpose. 
and proclaimed he had been sent by Ahura Mazda himself to deliver a message. And the message was that the priests had misunderstood the divine truth and were worshiping false gods. There was only one god, Ahura Mazda, who did not require blood sacrifices, but only ethical behavior. Which, honestly, a god I can relate to. <laughs> Zoroaster took that message to heart and began preaching immediately. Again, very familiar sounding. We're talking Noah. We're talking Abraham, Jesus, Muhammad, all the way to Joseph Smith. It just happened to Zoroaster way before any of them came along. Within the religion, they even have rules very similar to the Ten Commandments. Tell the truth, practice charity, show love for others, even if they do not return the sentiment, and moderation. Besides religion, we actually have a lot of modern pop culture that is thought to have been inspired by Zoroastrianism, like Dante's Inferno, the song Bohemian Rhapsody, and Lord of the Rings. Not to mention all the culture that people attribute to Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, because, you know, they all stem from Zoroastrianism. But how did the Zoroastrian ideas find their way into the Abrahamic faiths? Well, it's believed many of these concepts were introduced to the Jews of Babylon upon being liberated by the Persian emperor Cyrus the Great, and they trickled into mainstream Jewish thought. So Zoroastrian concepts would have been used for the construction of the Hebrew Bible, which obviously was the starting point for Christianity, Islam, and countless other religions. And now we're finally back to the beginning of Christmas. Okay, in the 4th century, Christian church officials decided to institute the birth of Jesus as a holiday. Even though nowhere in the Bible does it mention the date of Jesus' birth. Now today we have evidence that suggests that his birth may have occurred more in the spring. But regardless, Pope Julius I decided on December 25th. Why? Well, as we know, Christians have a long history of stealing and appropriating what is not theirs. Wait, 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 wait. So, who really stole Christmas? Christians did. Yeah, I'm gonna let that inception-like bullshit set in for a moment. Christian stole Christmas. What kind of paradoxical nonsense is that? Well, remember those winter solstice parties we talked about earlier? Yeah, Christians were like, hey everybody, come spend winter solstice with us. And while you're here, let's talk about Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. That shit still happens in today's world. Think like Trunk or Treat or some generic fall festival that's held at a church. People are gonna be celebrating Halloween anyway, so what do churches do? Have a party the same night and slap a Jesus label on it. By holding Christmas at the same time as traditional winter solstice festivals, church leaders increased the chances that Christmas would be popularly embraced. And it worked. 
By the Middle Ages, Christianity had, well, for the most part, replaced pagan religion and any widespread pagan celebrations. And something really important to this whole puzzle is there is a holy day within Zoroastrianism called Zarthost Nodisco, or Zarthost Nodiso. It is an important day of remembrance in the Zoroastrian religion, a commemoration of the death anniversary of the prophet Zoroaster, observed on December 26th. Uh-huh. Christians said, oh, you're celebrating your prophet's death on the 26th? Okay, we'll celebrate the birth of ours on the 25th. I mean, come on, Christians, right? Ugh. But people fell for it and fell for it hard. People began to love Christmas. That is, until Christmas got canceled. And no, not a Hallmark movie. Like in real life, Christmas actually did get canceled. So in the early 17th century, a wave of religious reform changed the way Christmas was celebrated in Europe. When Oliver Cromwell and his Puritan forces took over England in 1645, they vowed to rid England of decadence and, as a part of their effort, straight up canceled Christmas. Mr. Oliver Cromwell, the original Scrooge. But by popular demand, Charles II was restored to the throne and with him came the return of Christmas. Now that was in Europe, but we've also had some bizarre history in the U.S. specifically surrounding Christmas. The Pilgrims, English separatists that came to America in 1620, were even more orthodox in their Puritan beliefs than Cromwell. So Christmas was not a typical holiday in America. Get this. From 1659 to 1681, the celebration of Christmas was actually outlawed in Boston. Outlawed. Anyone exhibiting the Christmas spirit was fined five shillings. Totally savage. Christmas wasn't declared a federal holiday until much later, June 26, 1870. It wasn't until the 19th century that Americans began to embrace Christmas. The early 19th century was a period of class conflict and turmoil. During this time, unemployment was super high, and rioting by the disenchanted classes often occurred during the Christmas season. In 1828, the New York City Council instituted the city's first police force in response to a Christmas riot. In the history of Christmas, and even going back to the winter solstice and those holidays, class has always played a really big part in these festivities. And that Christmas riot in 1828... That was a changing point. It was a catalyst for certain members of the upper class to begin to change the way Christmas was celebrated in America. But also, we gotta look at pop culture at the time. In 1819, best-selling author Washington Irving wrote a series of stories about the celebration of Christmas in an English manor house. The sketches featured a squire who invited the peasants into his home for the holiday. It was a direct contrast to the problems being faced in America. In Irving's mind, Christmas should be a peaceful, warm-hearted holiday bringing groups together across lines of wealth or social status. Again, similar to the winter solstice in Rome. 
and Washington Irving's writings are thought to have inspired a very famous Christmas tale. Ding, 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 Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, which was published in 1843. The story's message of charity and goodwill toward all humankind struck a chord in the U.S. and in England, changing both countries' views on Christmas. God bless us, everyone. As Americans began to embrace Christmas as a perfect family holiday, the Christian church, yet again, swung in and was like, oh yeah, 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 th th this is also about Jesus. Yeah, th th that's definitely what this is about. They began trying again to take secular winter celebrations and make them religious holidays focused on them. But over the next hundred years, Americans built a Christmas tradition that included pieces of many cultures, some religious, yeah, but mostly secular and consumerism-driven. And let's face it, Christmas, as much as many Christians would like to claim it is, has never been about Jesus. Not to say people cannot celebrate Jesus on that day or any damn day they want to, but like when anything is stolen or appropriated, it's good to know where it originally came from. Jesus was not thought to be born at that time of the year at all. It was simply Christians being the dicks they were trying to take over the world. Again, I'd like to remind everyone that I'll be talking at a Christian conference in January. <laughs> you know, there have been times where I feel really disconnected to Christmas. It feels a bit strange to me. Indulging in consumerism, parents openly and proudly lying to their children about a fictional guy breaking into their houses, being stressed out about attending events with homophobic family, celebrating Jesus even though the holiday's origins have nothing to do with Jesus. It's just confusing what I'm actually celebrating at all. But, if anything, it is a time to slow down. To take a moment to say out loud that I am thankful for people in my life. It's a time to indulge, to pamper others, to watch sappy movies about love and spreading happiness. A time to celebrate the new year and a time to look forward to escaping the cold weather that I hate with an intense passion. Whether you're religious or not, whether you have traditions or not, I think you can make December a sacred month if you want to. Hell, I would argue you can make every month a sacred month. Give each month an intention, something special, even a singular day like December 25th, where you get to do something that you want. So let's look at December. What is special about December for you? How is this month different from the others? What sacred rituals and traditions do you have, or are there any you might want to start? I do think there is something to be said about the original festivities focusing on nature. There's something really beautiful about that, and it's something we don't do much as a society today. Collectively, as human beings marvel at this ball in space that we're floating around on? I don't know. Maybe there's something in those original festivities to incorporate this year. Just something to think about. 
And listen, if anyone dares to try to guilt you into feeling bad for partying too hard or being too indulgent or not going to church or participating in a specific tradition, remind them where the holiday actually originated from and do whatever the hell you want. It's winter solstice, baby! I hope you found this interesting, enlightening, and hopefully learned something. If not, hopefully you just had a laugh. If you didn't laugh, well, hopefully you got some ASMR pleasure out of listening to me talk. And if none of the above, damn, I don't, I, I don't know why you're still listening. What are you doing with your life? Come on. <laughs> My sources for all this fun history and the information came primarily from history.com and bbc.com. So if you have any issues with anything that I said, talk to them. I love to learn how you and the people in your life celebrate in December. You can reach me in the email in the show notes or DM me on social media at have a blessed gay. No matter how you choose to celebrate this month, I just thank you for spending some of your valuable time with me. I know this month can be challenging, so I want to remind you that if you are struggling and need help this very moment, I always post helplines in the show notes, so please do check them out if you need to. Regardless of who you are, where you are, what you're celebrating, if anything, just know this. You are special. You are purposeful and you are fucking beautiful. Have a blessed day, y'all.